So today on Exposed, we've got some amazing breaking news. I believe it's a bombshell of information. Our research has uncovered information that exposes a web of lies. Biden's illegal immigration plans, what he's done so far, what he's done all during 2023. And believe me, this will make your blood boil and very possibly could destroy the Biden administration once and for all. But first, we're going to talk about the whole ESG scam and how this is being used to set us up for financial destruction. And speaking of destruction, Israel is doing a bang-up job, aren't they? Destroying Hamas, but yet Jew hatred and anti-Semitism is on the rise. Who's going to stop this? When does common sense take over? But, you know, it's very hard to stop a fool. Yet, it's the fools who are hard at work, dumbing down America. Exposed has traced the purposeful plan to dumb America down. It goes all the way back to the early 1900s, and we've proven conclusively that there are people and organizations today following in the footsteps of these Marxist social pigs. Their plans have sadly, unfortunately, succeeded thus far. And the revelation of what's next on their agenda is going to keep you like it did me awake at night. All this and more on today's Exposed. So this report is going to create some great waves in the financial sector. And in closed-door meetings of our government, people are going to be talking about what we're exposing here today. They don't want this information made public at all. What am I talking about? I'm talking about ESG. Now, maybe you're unfamiliar with ESG, just so you have a little better idea. We're basically talking about environmental, social, and corporate governance. Governance. So it's social, environmental, and governance. And it's really, when you're talking about environmental issues and social issues and governance issues, it's really talking about ways to control the people through these issues. The issues that should be considered according to the government and to the corporate world, when looking at your investments or in investing at all, these ESG policies and practices are supposedly designed to have a real-world impact. Now listen, climate change, what they're talking about there is like carbon emissions, um, air and water pollution, uh, renewable energy, all these things that we have heard about all along and wonder why they keep bringing it up. Like water scarcity. Yes, there are some areas that have a water shortage, but we don't have a worldwide water scarcity. In fact, they've developed you know desalinization plants and, and have done an excellent job. I mean, we've got oceans full of water that could be desalinated and used as water. When they talk socially about the ESG topic, they're, they're, they're talking about gender and gender diversity, human rights. It's, it's all what we, you and I are hearing about every day in the news. 
Um, as far as governance, it's all about, you know, make sure you pay your fair share tax strategy. Um, and, and then they also take all this information and they try to get corporations to have board diversity. You ever wonder how, you know, Hunter Biden got on the board of Burisma? Well, you know, board diversity. I mean, we could take the dumb because, you know, we need to have some board diversity. And that's pretty much what they've done. All of this is being pushed as part of an overall plan. So my question always is, why? Why are they pushing this on us? Now, some of the world's largest corporations, and when I talk about large corporations, I'm talking about some of the major corporations in the world, and the top seven of them are here in the United States. Okay, we're talking about BlackRock, Vanguard, Fidelity Investments, State Street Global Advisors. Uh, we're talking about Morgan Stanley, uh, J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs. Those are the top seven largest corporations in the world in regards to investments. And listen to what they control. This will absolutely blow your mind. BlackRock controls $9 billion. Vanguard controls $7.6 billion. Fidelity, $4.2. State Street, $3.6. Morgan Stanley, $3.1. Uh, JP Morgan Chase, $3 billion under their control. Goldman Sachs, $2 billion under their control. So altogether, we're talking about just these seven corporations alone control $33 billion okay, of the world's money. Now, just to put that in context, okay, the total amount of money in the world today is called the M1. Okay, Actually, there's two things, the M1 and the M2, which are the money supplies. M1 supply includes all liquid money. In other words, cash, cash on deposit, traveler's checks. The M2 supply is the less liquid assets, like if you have certificates of deposit or if you have um, savings or time deposits, things like that. So here, here's the way it is. They control, those seven companies control $33 billion. The total M1 money supply in the entire world right now is $48.9 trillion. They control like 90% of the world's liquid money supply. It's crazy. And guess what? More than likely, you and I are invested okay, into these large corporations because they control the stocks of most major companies in the world. These investment companies that control $33 billion invest in corporations all over the world. So like I said, we're invested and we don't even know it. Now, here's the key. This is what they do. The fund managers are in business to make money, right? That's, that's what they're in business for. You would think so. In fact, they should be on our side as investors if we have money you know, in the market. Uh, if you have money in Fidelity or if you have money in Vanguard or one of these you know, investment vehicles, you would hope they make money for you, right? That's what they should be doing. <laughs> they should be representing us, right? Because they got our money. Um, unfortunately, no. In, in the boardrooms all across the country, most times these um, large corporations that control, like I say, $33 billion worth of investments in their boardrooms, 
they are advocating for ideas or policies that you and I don't usually agree with. And sometimes they're even advocating for policies and programs that don't even make money. I know, doesn't sound, doesn't sound right. What about Bud Light? You, you remember the whole thing with Bud Light? How, how do you think that happened? It, Bud Light's not stupid. See, policies like the LGBTQ and uh, DEI, all of these uh, you know woke ideals, diversity, equity, and inclusion, whatever, they come up with these three letters like it's something really significant. Well, what they're doing is they're using our money to push these progressive ideas. These, these companies have the largest pile of money ever held in human history. And they're progressing, okay, progressive ideas that you and I don't agree with. How are they doing this? I want to tell you a story. There was once a great country. Just for the sake of discussion, let's call this country America. And America had great diversity. However, the majority of this country were still leaning more towards the conservative vein. Now, the rulers of this country, and they are very, very liberal rulers. In fact, they had an idea of a one-world government, one-world control, because, see, they don't believe you and I, the average person, are able to make decisions for ourselves because, let's face it, we're just too dumb, okay? So... Because we're not able to take care of ourselves, not able to invest for ourselves, they need to step in and take care of things for us. So without ruining the planet, because that's what they think we would do if we had control, okay, they are going to take control for us. So these rulers decided it was better if they progressed their agenda undercover so they do this by meeting with the heads of the largest financial institutions in the world. The ruling class, those in charge of this country called America, uh, they wanted to make sure that their agenda gets pushed forward. So they went to the people with all the liquid money, all the wealth under their control. And they made it clear. They said, listen, if you want to keep control of all this wealth, which includes government pension funds, state pension funds, workers' pension funds. You know, if you want to be in control of all this wealth, then, well, you need to promote our agenda. And you need to promote our agenda by voting the right way on our ideas and concepts that we want implemented in the culture. So the rulers wanted to have implemented throughout their kingdom very progressive ideals. Ideas like gender reaffirming, uh, gender transformation surgeries, uh, sexual indoctrination of our children in the third grade. Now, believe it or not, some of the quote-unquote investors, those who manage the money for these large funds, they don't agree with these woke ideals. They don't really agree with the ruling class and what they want. But they got to go along with it. They got to go along with it because job security. They are told by the ruling class to adopt these radical gender ideologies and that they must vote their shares 
accordingly. And so this is how the ruling class begins to transform America and the world. It, it, it seems like the ruling class hates most of us. And, well, they probably do. In fact, hatred is, it seems like it's spreading across the world. What about the hatred in Gaza? Where is it stemming from? <laughs> what we found about Gaza goes beyond what your imagination can even comprehend. And it's so completely absurd, at least to most of us sane people, that when you start to look at it, you begin to go, no, 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 they wouldn't want to do this. But what I'm about to show you hopefully will awaken you. A survey of the new textbooks in, used in Palestine, if there is such a place, used on the Gaza Strip, okay? Uh, these new textbooks reveal an increase in radicalization. They increased the content to extreme radicalization, which they use these books in the Palestinian schools. And this, I'm going to show you now as we go through this pretty quick, this is what their kids are learning in school. And wow, let me tell you, what we found, this is going to blow your mind. You ready? Buckle up. In the first grade, they learn about math by counting martyrs involved in infatatas. So they go through the history of the infatatas and they count the number of Muslims that died for Allah. In the third grade, they learn that Jerusalem, okay, um, is only holy to Islam and it's not sacred nor holy to the Jews. In other words, they're pushing lies to our kids right there in third grade. By the time they reach the fourth grade, they're taught, listen, this, this is, they're taught mathematics, calculus, by counting the number of martyrs in Palestinian uprisings. And a picture of a funeral is placed next to the question in order to desensitize them to death. You're looking at the pictures as I'm talking. The question they state in this one um, uh, textbook. Here, here it is. I'm, I'm going to read it to you. The number of martyrs in the first infatata, the number of martyrs in the first infatata, they call it the um, infatata of rocks, was 2,026 martyrs. And the number of martyrs in the Al-Ask infatata is 5,050. The number of martyrs in two infatatas is, and the children have to come up with the answer. This is how they teach math in Palestinian schools. In the fifth grade, they learn how to hate Jews and that Jews are the enemies of Islam in all times and in all places. It's disturbing. It's beyond sad. In the sixth grade, they're taught to sing from the river to the sea. That's the catch-all phrase that symbolizes uh, Palestinian control over the entire territory of Israel's borders, all the way from the Jordan River directly out to the Mediterranean Sea. When they reach seventh grade, they're taught about Newton's second law. I, I love this. Th this is absolutely, <laughs> this was really creative. I got to give them credit for it. The second law 
states that acceleration of an object is dependent on two variables, the force behind the object and the size or the mass of the object. So they teach them that using a small instrument like a slingshot aimed at the IDF soldiers, if done right, can inflict damage or even death. <laughs> what the heck? In the seventh grade, that's what they're teaching their kids. In the eighth grade, they learn proper Arabic using reading materials about suicide bombings and jihad and how the youth should prepare themselves to conduct jihad. In the ninth grade, they're learning how to massacre, okay? And by doing that, they're showing them the history, how the massacre of 67 Jews um, that were actually not just massacred, they were tortured and massacred, okay? And they claim that this massacre was a natural, legitimate resistance act, and yet it was conducted 20 years before the state of Israel was even formed. So they're teaching kids that it's okay. In fact, it's good to kill Jews or Christians. In the 10th grade, they learn how jihad is an obligation for every Muslim. An obligation in the 10th grade. In the 11th grade, they learn Jews control the world and they use Nazi symbols and Nazi illustrations to show them the control of Jews and, the Jews and, and how the Jews control the world. And by the time they reach the 12th grade, Kids are taught that the highest aspiration of the Palestinian should be to die for Allah. Wow. And, and th this is the reason why atrocities are happening and why they're not going to stop. These kids are turned into religious zealots. It, 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 you, you can't just convince a zealot that what they've learned their whole life is wrong. See, only death is going to please them. So I say... Let's give them their wish. Let's introduce them to Jesus before we see this impetata coming to our shores. I, I hope this opened your eyes just a little bit to the sad truth of what's being taught to innocent children in the Gaza Strip. Listen, if you like the show, go ahead and subscribe and let us know. Um, you know, write us a review. We really appreciate it. Ever wonder why the coming generations don't seem to have a grasp on the truth? Well, it's purposeful. It's because our education system uh, has been geared to basically dumb down America. And the, the whole government idea of education started actually back in the early 1900s, as early as 1903. And it was started by, guess who? Very wealthy individuals. We're talking about like the Rockefellers. We're talking about Andrew Carnegie. And what they were doing back then is putting ideals in place that would extend all the way to where we are today. Here we are, 2023. And it was all done and is being done by purposeful design. I'm going to go through, run through some numbers for you and uh, some facts to kind of get us on the same page. Between 1986 and 1920, a small number of powerful industrious these guys had big, big money. Together with their private foundations, they uh, spent more money on mass forced education, schooling, than the government actually did. And, and um, 
hold on, before we go anywhere, let's look at their mission statement. Okay, this is printed on their first report that was written in 1906. I'm going to read this to you. It says, in our dream, we have limitless resources, and the people yield themselves with perfect docility to our molding hand. The present educational conventions fade from our minds, and unhampered by tradition, we work our own goodwill upon a grateful and responsive rural folk. We shall not try to make these people or any of their children into philosophers or men of learning or of science. We will not raise up among them authors or orators, poets or men of letters. We shall not search for we shall not search for great artists or painters or musicians, nor will we even cherish the humbler ambition to raise up from among them lawyers, doctors, preachers, statesmen, of whom we now have an ample supply. Our task is simple. We will organize children and teach them in a perfect way the things their fathers and mothers are doing in an imperfect way. <laughs> what? <laughs> are you kidding me? And this is written by a guy named Reverend Frederick T. Gates. He was the business advisor to John Rockefeller Sr. in 1913. So the real purpose of modern schooling was basically to control the minds of children. And another guy, and I've got to read this to you also, his name is Edward Ross, from the University of Wisconsin, also in 1913. He's considered one of the founders of the discipline of sociology. And he wrote in a book that he called, very bluntly, Social Control. Here's what he wrote. Plans are on the way to replace family, church, and community with propaganda, education, and mass media. People, he said, are only little plastic lumps of dough. <laughs> you know? I, I mean, if somebody actually spoke this today, I, I, I just... I don't know. I can't imagine it. I can't put my hand on how we have allowed people like this to control our education. Another insider of basically our modern schooling today is a guy by the name of H.H. Goddard. He was the chairman of the psychology department at Princeton. Okay. He called government schooling in 1920, quote, the perfect organization of the hive, unquote. <laughs> in other words, hey, you know, we could, we could keep them in this little and control them. Unbelievable. So the General Education Board was not interested in encouraging uh, critical thinking. Rather, its focus was on organizing children and creating reliable, predictable, obedient citizens. Isn't that what they tried to do? during the whole COVID nonsense. Hey, they tried to corral us and, 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 and get us to be obedient to their ideals. So the Rockefellers, along with other financial elite at the time, and all of their philanthropic uh, organizations, such as the Gateses and the Carnegies and the Vanderbilts, they've been able to mold our society by using their money to control schooling. Now, here's a short timeline. I'm just going to throw this out at you really quickly. 
Up until the 1840s, the American school system was mainly private. People were homeschooled. And Americans were very well educated. In fact, we had the highest liter literacy rates in the world. In 1852, Massachusetts passed the first mandatory attendance law. 1902, Rockefeller creates General Education Board. Carnegie Foundation in 1905 uh, founded a new uh, organization called for the Advancement of Teaching. 1906, the NEA uh, becomes federally charted, chartered. In 1917, the NEA reorganizes and moves to Washington, D.C., of course. 1918, every state requires students to complete elementary school. 1932, there was an eight-year study, largely funded by Carnegie's and their foundation, um, and this um, eight-year study was funded so that they could determine how their um, program was progressing thus far. In 1946, the Rockefeller Foundation grants the General Education Board $7.5 billion. 1946. That's a $7 billion then. Huge. By 1968, Edith Roosevelt wrote an article called The Foundation Machine. And she indicted Carnegie and others in her uh, writing, stating that the textbooks were used as indoctrination and trying to create a pattern for our young children, a pattern of anti-social ideals that will completely and violently alienate them from mainstream America's values. And my friends, that is exactly what has happened thus far. 1986, Carnegie Teaching Panel's new teacher framework provides another near million dollars in grants for reforms. And the reforms were all geared towards textbooks. And by 2003, 14% of adults Americans are literate. 14%. And today, we are 125th in the world in literacy. They have accomplished their goal. The deliberate dumbing down of America. Actually, somebody wrote a book called exactly that, The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America. It was written by a woman named Charlotte Iserbet. And it was from her investigation into the U.S. Department of Education for which she worked. She was an insider. This book will open your eyes. You can still find it. It's available. And I encourage you to read it. She was a whistleblower. And as a result, her work has caused many parents' eyes to be opened, and they basically removed their kids from the entire U.S. education system. And I hope that many of you do the same. Listen, the only way education reform is ever going to happen is if we make a, a complete and radical change to the deep state. Eh, the deep state. Eh, there's no such thing as the deep state. Of course there's a deep state. It's a whole bunch of uh, radical people that work for the government. They have a job that they can't get fired from. And so we change policies. We change politicians. Uh, but unfortunately, all we're changing is the outerwear, and the underwear stinks. 
and they haven't changed it in a while. The underwear is the deep state. And uh, President Trump did begin that transformation. He created the 1776 Commission, and he did that right after all the Black Lives Matter protests, if you remember, back in the summer of 2020. The commission was charged with, listen to this, listen carefully, promoting patriotic education in order to unite Americans. But the commission was eliminated the first day President Biden took office. <laughs> Why? Because the progressive one world agenda needs to control the education in order to gain control over the coming generations. And so it is happening. So I ask you, what's going to be our legacy, you and I, if we allow this tyrannical behavior to just have its way? See, once we're gone, I fear for America. So let's get done what we can right now, especially in the ways of reform. 2024, absolutely imperative for us. Hey, listen, if you like the show, write us a review. Tell your family, tell your friends, and together we can make a difference in stuff like this. Finally today, the blockbuster of breaking news. And folks, I, I, I don't know what other way to tell you this. I know we hear that all the time, breaking news, breaking news, and you get kind of desensitized to it. But I'm here to tell you this is really breaking news, which I believe, okay, um, is going to make a huge change in what's going on in the Biden family, crime family. See, I believe there's going to be hell to pay for Biden and his administration once this information gets to be mainstream. How's that going to happen? People like you and I spreading the news. Now, today, I, I, we only have the opportunity to give you a portion of what we have uncovered. And we are uh, in the process right now of creating an entire episode, hoping to release it later this week on this very topic. And that will be an in-depth expose on all this corruption. Don't miss it, okay? Don't miss this coming episode. Mark my words, folks, okay? This can change the direction of the 24 election. I'm holding in my hands clear evidence, clear-cut evidence of the Biden's administration's colluding with foreign governments. It's right here. And they're colluding with them to flood America with people from around the world. And guess what? They're racing to fully implement these programs before the 24 election is the way to ensure their win. What we're going to reveal has been carefully orchestrated and hidden from public view in plain sight. I'm telling you, in plain sight. What's the best way to hide something? Sometimes it's right there. And I say that because this is a pet project of the administration, the Biden administration. And all of those involved are claiming great success already. So here it is. On April 27th of this year, 2023, the U.S. government announces sweeping new actions to manage regional migration. The Department of State and the Department of Homeland Security, DCS, DHS, I'm sorry, are announcing sweeping new measures to further reduce unlawful migration across the Western Hemisphere, significantly expand lawful pathways for protection. All this sounds really good, doesn't it? And facilitate the safe and orderly and humane processing of migrants. This sounds so good. The measures announced today 
will be implemented in close coordination with regional partners, mm, including the governments of Mexico, ooh, our partner, Canada, Spain, Colombia, and Guatemala, and Panama. Wow. Hmm. Look at this next picture. What's that say? That's a regional processing center. A regional processing center? Did, did you know that America had regional processing centers outside of the United States in order to process people who want to come to this country illegally? I didn't know that they were opening up processing centers in other countries to make access to America more streamlined. That's not what that introduction says. It sounds so good. It's kind of like reading the headlines, but the headlines don't really tell you the truth of the story. See, they know that most people don't read the story. They only read the headline. So I got some questions. There's so much wrong with this. Like, who's managing these processing centers? How are these people getting paid? What type of oversight do these people have? Do they know what America really stands for? Let me tell you what we found is that the local governments in these countries are in charge. <laughs> That's right. We put other governments in charge of our immigration. And supposedly, they have no interest in making sure um, that, you know, good people come through the borders. Come on, man. They're being paid. Don't you think people are like, yeah, hey, yeah, 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 here. Uh, how are they ensuring that the information they're getting from these people from around the world is, is accurate? It, it, it says that the names of these people are being entered into a U.S. government database. What database? Who has access to this database? How are they verifying the information given to them by these people who most of them don't even speak English? <laughs> Listen, we've researched this, and I'm telling you, I am boiling mad that the Biden administration has been able to be bold-faced lying. And they're now so arrogant and so convinced that they can do just about anything because they got fake media coverage. They feel like they can just get away with anything. But what I'm hoping is that this report will be the beginning of the end for them. So here's in short pretty much what we've found to date. We've researched all available information. And what we found is our government is working with Panama, Mexico, Canada, Spain, Colombia, and Guatemala, and many more countries right now uh, to implement a, an expedited entry into the United States. So they have forms where people who want to come to America can fill out these forms for asylum to the United States. They can fill out these forms in a foreign country, uh, being taken by foreigners, information gathered by foreigners. And Biden and his administration, all this was done under the cover of darkness, although it was put in broad daylight and the web and you know news media covered it, they didn't cover the details. But under the cover of dark, they've expanded the CPB One app. We've all heard about the One app. It's where people can go on and make application to speed up the processing and to get true, quote unquote, true verified identification. Well, they have created a new reunification 
parole process in addition. That's right. Listen, listen to this. A parole process. I got I to gotta gain my composure. I'm sorry. I can't help it. This process will allow individuals okay, from all of these other countries to be paroled into the United States. I said, this can't be. I, I must be reading this wrong. We are taking parolees into the United States from all of these other countries. Is this possible that America is that stupid that we're allowing people who are on parole for committing all kinds of crimes? Why? How in God's name is this happening? The Biden administration plans to, and this is all in writing, they plan to, listen carefully, double the number of refugees from the Western Hemisphere as part of the Los Angeles Declaration on Migration and Protection. Go and look up the Los Angeles Declaration on Migration and Protection. It doesn't say anything about this. And together they've implemented a new program. This is brand new, and it's called Movilidad, movilidad segura, or in English, safe mobility. So this means, basically, that Mayorkas um, has been lying directly to us, along with Biden and the Department of State and Homeland Security, because they all have been working together. On all of their websites, this information is there if you know what you're looking for. They're working this all together, bringing in these illegals without congressional oversight. They're, and, and, and to top it all off, okay, they're working with the UN and a, a specific entity under the UN called the UNHCR. There it is on your screen. There's a picture of their website, the UNHCR, United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees. The UN, we should throw them the heck out of New York. We pay for the building, we pay for the maintenance, we pay for the update, and we basically pay the majority of the cost of the UN. Why? And also another organization under the UN called OIM, making migration work for all, something along those lines. Whatever. Folks, we're in trouble. I, I, I got to tell you, we are in serious trouble. We are working diligently, okay, um, to release this full report, but we don't want to do it until we have all of our ducks in a row. So be patient. The full report is coming out shortly in a new episode. Don't miss it. Don't miss this episode. Tell your family, tell your friends. Heck, listen, tell those who don't agree with your way of thinking because they need it more than we do. Tell those on the left. You've got friends on the left. I know you do. We all do. And uh, they need to see this information as well as you and I. And then we need to disseminate this information as quickly as we can and as far and as wide as we can. Because unless we hold this rogue government accountable, we are America. We're on a pathway to destruction. Because coming through our borders on a daily basis are unvetted terrorists. We know that they're here. Homeland Security has basically said that. The FBI has basically said that. They've made their way into America so they can attack us. How do we know that's not really the plan of Biden? I know, I know that's kind of far-fetched. 
But listen, if you want to control an election, what better way to control an election is to say that, you know, well, we're under terror threat right now. So the only thing we could do is implement, you know, hundreds of thousands of drop boxes all across the nation. <laughs> That's how they controlled the 2020 election. That's how they stole it. What if they allowed all of these illegals to vote? What would that do to our election process? It, it, would, it, would, it would be impossible for a conservative to ever win. But listen, Biden and the left, they're going to do whatever they need to do to win the White House and to retain hold of Congress. So we have a huge task in front of us, folks. If you enjoyed this show, subscribe to our channel, write us a review. Be sure to pass the word to family and friends. And like I said, be sure to share it with even the lefties in your world because they need it the most. Look forward to the full disclosure on this bombshell report. It's going to happen this week. We're working towards that goal. This is Mike Kahlo for Exposed, the Kalo podcast. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. God bless you. And God bless America.